From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in aimless, capricious Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are XOXO and randomization. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. Can you turn? My headphones down a little bit. <laughs> How's that? That's great. Steven, is you okay? Uh, can you turn mine up? <laughs> All right, Matt. you guys ready to start recording now? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So welcome to the Nice Games Club. So this week, um, um, Dale, our social media manager, mm-hmm. uh, and my lovely wife, has been uh, trying to push for the Steven Challenge. Oh, yes. Or Hashtag Steven Test. Steven, Steven Test. I can't say my own name. Yeah. Hashtag Steven Test. <laughs> and this is something we sort of came up with on the show a couple weeks ago where uh, we want you, the game developer, who is trying to put together your marketing materials, uh, when you got your trailer ready, send it our way. We'll put it in front of Steven yes. and we'll see if he can make it all the way through. Yes. Because Steven, you are not big on trailers. No, not really. Yeah. Whenever I'm on, I, there was somebody had posted this on our MSP game desk like, or whatever that they, they were talking about, like how a lot of people when they're on steam, they don't actually look at the trailers. They go straight to the green screenshots. Mm-hmm. I am the default person. Yeah. <laughs> for that. I will be like, no, there's a trailer. Skip all of those. Look at these screenshots. Oh, it looks beautiful. Then I'll go to the trailer. Right. Um, so, Y'all are getting nice. I'm going straight to the trailer this time. If you send me these, if you send me these trailers, so, uh, so yeah. So Dale is taking up that as a cause, yeah. And uh, so she's definitely pushing for those in in our community mm-hmm. and those of us uh, uh, in the Nice Games Club listeners yeah. to send their trailers to Stephen. And we got one. Yes, someone. We got a bite. I, I wasn't expecting a bite. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got some feedback. Uh, this game is called Root Beer on Tap. It's a VR game. It's on Steam. Uh, I don't. I don't know that it was out because it didn't say that in the trailer. I don't think. <laughs> but uh, so it's a VR game, so it's already starting in I mean, a dangerous yeah, place for you. I'll, I'll. If it's not my kind of game, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> um. So, but like, I like that this one was nice and short. It's like less than fifty seconds, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not gonna watch the trailer if it's two minutes long. I'm just <laughs> don't send me any trailers that are two minutes long. Um. Um, and I like that. I thought there were really some fun ideas. Like the, the it seems like it's basically like a beer tapper, but in VR. So you just slide the beer with your hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, cool! Yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. And it has like a a really in, um, infectious charm, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. a big draw. Yeah, you can like throw your glass at people's faces and be like, yeah, "Why yeah. did you do that?" <laughs> that's that's important for VR because it, in gameplay trailers for VR, it's mm-hmm. really hard to express how it feels, even yeah. more so than other types of games. Yeah. And so having uh, like those little charming moments and this sort of like, oh, yeah, I can toss stuff around and, and be silly. Yeah. Then people are like, I know what that's like in VR. Right, so. right. Yeah. So that one, I thought that went really well. But like, I felt like I got the idea of what the game was pretty early in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And there, I don't think there was a lot of new content shown to me throughout the trailer. So like I was uh, maybe if you put some like more variety or gameplay features or something mm-hmm. in later parts of the trailer. Uh, alternately if, if the game is a sort of simple simulator and yeah. that there isn't like a ton more to it and that's its point mm-hmm. maybe really short and punchy yeah right so like leave you wanting more oh 30 seconds yeah do i'm it. thinking like 15 seconds Ooh, oh my god so, so, i mean a, a concept is easily graspable as this one too yeah. i think you probably could do very quickly um yes shorter is better love it (laughs) um i also want to bring up that the music was kind of boring um but i mean like it's on steam a lot of times like steam defaults to turning your music off so it's not the worst thing in the world but 
if like the music is a draw of your game, you may want to make sure that it has some impactful music in the trailer. This is a thing that that we talked about when we talked about trailers on the show is yeah. that you very commonly you will just take music from your game, which is great and perfect for your game, right. put it in your trailer, but it might not be perfect for your trailer. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's what happened here, but mm-hmm. it is a thing that happens a lot. Yep. Yep. Uh, you're guilty of that too. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it looks fun. <laughs> I'm yeah. excited to throw beers at people. <laughs> well, you'll actually play it. Yes. You've, got a, you've got a rig. And you, yeah. yeah, I'm only obligated to watch the trailers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, uh, feel free to send me more trailers as long as they are not over two minutes long because I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> Sweet. Um, and other news. Uh, new one is out on Switch. We've had... Um, Yay, it's had, a local game here from mm-hmm. Minnesota. Yes, Dev Jana was on uh, on a show a long time ago. Quite a while ago, yeah. yeah uh, but we'll maybe link to that episode. Yeah, he talked about... Um, we talked about nonviolent games. Right. And he talked a lot about the genesis of Newt One and how and like where that came from and why it was important to him. Um, and that was, uh, th- I think that was just before it was put out in early access, which is a little over a year ago. Yeah. And so it's been in, in some players' hands, but it got picked up by um, a publisher and is now out on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just came out on Switch was the last platform it, it came to. Um, and it's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think it's like, I, it's like almost everything. It's perfect on Switch. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually, I, like, I'm looking forward to playing that. I was planning on picking it up on Switch. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. super fun. We did it, uh, didn't we do it as a... Um, a nice play? I think oh, right. yeah, we I did think do so. a nice play. Yeah. Right? Yes. yeah, we'll link that as well. Uh, done so many back when we were doing video <laughs> stuff, yeah. yeah. We're coming up on 150. Yeah. Oh, it's it's getting oh man, that's a lot of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, I do want to tell a fun story that that Dev told me, which yeah. was um the publisher that he worked with, um, he it actually is from his hometown. Oh um he it just like it's a really great interesting sort of thing. He just um uh, he met someone who was from his hometown and and their offices was in a building he used to work in. Oh, wow. And this is like across the country. So like it just it's a great little story of how perfect like, you know, sometimes those little meetings can be serendipitous. Yeah. That's just a cool thing to happen. Oh. And, and, you know, no more charming game has ever deserved a, a great little story like that. And I hope it does really well. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> uh, and other news, Borderlands 3 came out, Martha. Yeah. <laughs> and any, any, anything? I haven't played it yet. Oh, okay. I mean, a lot of the reviews are like, "This is this is what you expect," and yay. And some reviews are like, "This is kind of what you've expected," and like, "Good, good, we get a little more." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it. I just I have to get through the <laughs> feeling bad about it. <laughs> you got to separate the art from the artist, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> sure. yeah. But uh, and you know, Claptrap's not gonna be in it, and he's kind of my. He's not. I mean, he is, but Claptop's Claptop's voice. (laughs) The original voice actor. Isn't in it. Oh, it's one of the the many shenanigans and badness. Oh, sure, sure. Okay. Not nice things that we're not going to talk about. (laughs) I thought you meant Claptrap was not in it because that's one of the things I can't stand about Borderlands is Claptrap. And I know I'm like, one the one person who doesn't like that. It is funny to watch the two of you bicker about that because like, Martha, you love that character so much. I and just Steven, want my own little so I can't stand him. And I've played on a nice play. I played seventeen minutes of Borderlands. It's all yeah. my only exposure to it. And I was just getting a little sick claptrap at that point. So but you doesn't give, get any better. You can give him a high five, you and can't. he has a very sad pizza party where you're the only attendee, and it's great. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, I like all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I, I was interested in um, trying out Borderlands because, like, I like to, um, and this one's just got 
a punch eager character, literally a character that punches. Yeah, that's all I like about Warlands. I'm running up to people and meleeing them. So <laughs> I'm excited for that. And yeah, and again, there are like two female characters to play, and that's mm-hmm. very exciting. I have choices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yep. So that's all about that. I yeah. will. I will report back once I play it. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, aside from, it yet. <laughs> aside from all the drama surrounding the production of the game, I am very interested because this is a long-awaited sequel. Yes. Right. Last, it, World Two is 2012, and a lot of things the reviews have said is like it hasn't really evolved since 2012, and of course, a lot of people want want it to not evolve, right? But I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts on that in particular. Like, the, what, okay. what does I will, it look like a seven-year-later sequel? For the show, yeah. I will purchase and play it. <laughs> so I you, will suffer for my art. <laughs> we, we can't get Take-Two to send us a copy? Like, <laughs> Wait, actually, maybe? <laughs> Take we're two, um, we're um, journalists. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Sega Genesis Mini came out recently? Yeah, I wanted to mention this because I was a Sega kid yeah. growing up. And Sega! <laughs> And um, it's getting great reviews. Like uh, Sega, for a long time, uh, partnered with um, a toy company to make like retro consoles, like pl- plug-and-play versions of the Genesis that had a bunch of built-in games. So just like yeah. the mini uh, NES or they, that have been coming out the past few years. Right. Sega's been doing it forever, but mm-hmm. through, a, through a contractor. And apparently the emulation was terrible because it's like, you know, it's a cheap product. They didn't think it was a serious thing. Yeah. And then Nintendo is like, no, this is like, we take this seriously. Uh-huh. It's for collectors and, you know. And uh, and Sega finally was just like, okay, fine, we'll take it seriously too. And um, apparently, it's a really great little product. And oh. if you're a Sega kid like me, it's a very attractive uh, kind of thing to get. Okay, it's got like a little compartment in the bottom hmm. w- that you uh, um, a little. Uh, it's almost like a battery compartment that pops open. That's based on the original uh, uh, um, uh, console. Okay, that had like the expansion port in it, but on the little mini console, it just opened. There's nothing in it. It's oh. just like a little like panel that pops off. Because it's authentic to the original design. Oh, that's like that's how much love and care they put into this Aww. like stupid little thing. Yeah. And um, one of the things I found really interesting about it too is the um, uh, if you can if you change the system menu or the system language, mm-hmm. it cha- it changes the versions of the games to the localized versions. Oh wow! And in those days, the games really were quite different. Yeah. Uh, depending on the regions they were in. Uh, because they were released six, eight months apart, and so there was work done in the meantime, mm-hmm. not just the localization, but also sprites and all sorts of change. Yeah, much more than than happens today. And all those versions independently are all on this console. Wow, uh, which is a really really cool thing if you're into that, right? Yeah. Like the history of it, and also like like oh, because like importing those titles, you know, was used to be difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really cool. But the one thing I will say is. It's the original Genesis design with the, yeah. like the volume slider and like the, the the white reset button. Yeah, I had a Genesis two. Oh, right, it's yeah. more squarish, uh, the more nineties looking one. And I'm like, I kind of want a Sega Genesis two mini. Oh, <laughs> it's like the only thing that's keeping me from getting. Yeah, one. yeah, that makes sense because it's like, it's my nostalgia. Right? right? Yeah, yeah. It's not as nostalgic if it's not your the console you had. I yeah, get that. yeah. I can't wait till they do a game a GameCube mini because this is going to be a very tiny cube, and I'm very excited for that. <laughs> The only game they'll have on there is Super Smash Brothers Melee. Yes. <laughs> Imagine like a plug and play Melee console. Like people would eat that up. They would. Of course, it would have to be perfect emulation. Oh, yeah. Or there would be riots. Mm-hmm, that's true. Yeah, right. Are they going to do the PAL version or the. the yeah, yeah, anyways. <laughs> all, right, right, right. all of that stuff. What what games are on the Sega Genesis Mini? I'm sure Sonic, right? Oh, yeah, all the ones you've heard of. Oh, okay. Pretty much. Okay, cool, cool. And it's like, it's weird. Like for me, I, I don't have that list memorized. I kind of mm. don't care. Like, Weirdly, yeah. I mean, it's got a good game because, like, you know, I had like four games growing up, right? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I had Sonic, I had uh, Mortal Kombat, Mm -hmm. I had NFL '95, (laughs) and those are the three I remember. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sure I had other. Oh, I had Dr. Robotics Mean Bean Machine. Oh, which nice. Is Puyo Puyo, yeah. Which I did not realize till like last year. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, that's on there, I think. Okay. And cool. if you and if you change it to Japanese, it just becomes Puyo Puyo. Oh wow, it's that's very cool. great. Um, uh, but but uh, this is the same with the the NES, the Super NES. It's like as long as it's got the one game I remember playing, then the rest of them are just fun discoveries. That's true. Um, but there are people whose their nostalgia involves playing many many of these games, yeah. right? And that's not how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, so they care very much about what which twenty games or which thirty games are on the system. Yeah. I don't care so much. You didn't include my favorite. That was the obscure one from yeah. the. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the PlayStation the Mini had uh, that problem because there were a lot of like really hot it, it, for licensing reasons or whatever. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of really well known PlayStation titles that didn't make it. Yeah, and I didn't have a PlayStation, so I don't really I can't judge how good that list was. But people were not happy. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's yeah PlayStation's whole problem. They tried the same thing with PlayStation Battle Royale, and they got nobody. <laughs> I mean, they got Prime the Rapper. That's cool. I remember reading a review for that game. Yeah, which is like it's trying to be Smash. It's doing a pretty good job, but you're not going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. Uh, Nintendo announced the Reef Ring Fit Adventure game, which looked really cool. Yeah. I like the... Um, so when I was up in Duluth and depressed, and I don't know if I've ever talked about how I was up in Duluth and depressed. I was this up was, in Duluth This was when you went to college initially. <laughs> yes. I was... Well, no. Initially, I went to college in Twin Cities, and I flunked out. Then I went to college in Duluth, and I flunked out. For one year, <laughs> but for one year, I was up in Duluth and not going to classes because I didn't want to go home and tell my parents that I flunked out. So... <laughs> Don't tell my parents. <laughs> um, but uh, wait, uh, they know now. Yeah, they know. <laughs> I can't hold on to it that long. <laughs> um, but when I was up there, I was playing We Fit You because, like, I wasn't really leaving my the house that I was in in the moment. So, like, I wanted to get some form of exercise. So I ended up getting that thing, and I was uh, pretty religious about playing it every day uh, for at least like a few months, and it was fun. So I'm really looking forward to Ring Fit Adventure because it seems like yeah more fun. <laughs> so let's talk about what this thing is. Yes, yes. And first with the teaser trailer that came out last week. Right. They just had some people with the ring device that they had and they were just like stretching it and moving it around yeah. and ain't nobody knew what was happening because <laughs> they didn't so describe it. It's about well. the size of a hubcap. Yeah. Right. And it's just a it's a just a a, a metal band. Yeah. I think metal. Um, uh, maybe polyurethane or something oh. and it's got handles on the side and so you hold it like a steering wheel mm-hmm. and then you snap in the Joy-Con to the top Yeah, and the whole thing is flexible so you squeeze it and that's the whole shtick yeah and the, and the, but the Joy-Con like tracks all of that stuff yeah yeah it's, it's, it's just like a physical advanced. device you wiggle around mm-hmm. um, and then the Joy-Con will just detect it it's, it's so weird how simple the input method is yeah it's just you know shaking around the Joy-Con but apparently that's, that's enough to get you but it also has a little pouch that you strap to your leg for the yes, other Joy-Con. So you can do running and stuff too. Yeah. So. Um, and so like you use all of these different actions to do, you play as, I guess you play, it seems like there was just one character, but maybe there are more. Um, you play as this one character and you just kind of run around, literally run around um, in your room, but in the game, running around in the in the yeah. game uh, to fight RPG, like fight RPG enemies and things like that. Yeah. So when this teaser trailer came out, people were like, oh, it's going to be another week because they just showed a bunch of people playing with the thing yeah. and, and being kind of silly with it, yeah. which was really cool because Nintendo's like peripherals have always been inherently silly, mm. but they don't always know that or, mm. or, or, or admit that. This, this is much too silly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In this one, they were just like, look how silly this is. I bet you can't wait to find out what they're doing. Yeah. And that was the teaser. It was very effective. And then they finally revealed that it's an RPG, like, a, you know, a fitness themed fantasy RPG, yeah. which is kind of an interesting take uh, separate from We Fit, which was really much more about this like health and wellness and have this sort of like very yoga aesthetic. Right. 
um, them saying like, no, 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 it's a game. Yeah. It's a game, but also you sweat. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a different approach for them for the, for this kind of, you know, uh, project for them, which yeah. is kind of cool. So all of the like actions you do in the game, all of your attacks and stuff, you have to like do an action in order to pull them off. Uh, so I think like one of them was like a squat or something and like you had to hold the squat for a few seconds and then let it go and then it would attack the creature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like you could also block by like holding the device up to your abs and then like, you know, hold there long enough while they're attacking you and stuff like that. So like it, you know, it's a lot of like fitness based stuff yeah. uh, to keep you active. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. It's supposed to come out in like a month. Mm-hmm. So that'll be cool. Yeah. I think it's, I, it's really neat. I might pick one out. Yeah. yeah. We can all we can all get fit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna let anybody see me do it. But <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, uh, seeing all those people doing the things, it's like it's kind of like how in VR you're doing a bunch of weird stuff, but like yeah. you have goggles on, so you don't know that there right, are people right. in the room. You know you're being silly, but you're like uh, you're shielded from the consequences. Yeah, yes. <laughs> not so much with this game. Yeah. But it's funny in the in the trailers, um, everyone's just like they're laughing. They're having such a great time, and I'm just like, I'm not a kind of person who can get into that kind of silly mood mm-hmm. with other people um but for people who are i can imagine they would have a great uh, you know fun being a total goof yeah 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 that'd be cool mm-hmm. um also last news i think uh steam uh changed their recommendations Re- they changed it and they revamped it so that it is more accurate to what games you actually want to buy <laughs> i mean might want to buy that's the goal that's the goal anyway yeah and i mean what it that's used the to aim be- of every time they tweak it it's like it's better it's yeah. like well it's I mean, it's it's different. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, what it used to do is it used to literally just recommend the top games uh, that yeah. just came out. Um, right. That's that's the the thing is that it's it's trying to lean away from just telling you to play uh, PUBG all the time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Which is like I've heard that. Thank you. Uh, um, and uh, apparently, uh, indie devs are, are are commenting about how it's affected their wish list values and like and their sales numbers because okay. a lot of times, especially games that are in the long tail after they've you know uh, been w- released some time ago, yeah, um, those recommendation engines are the difference between like them having any continuing revenue or none. Yeah, and um, it's interesting to hear people tell different stories. So some people say like, oh, you know, this has actually been like suddenly my people coming to my Steam page and and. And either wishlisting or buying the game has jumped like 2,000%. And some people are saying like, oh, my sales dropped to literally zero. Um, and so it, it just shows you how subjective a lot of this stuff is. Yeah. And that th- these recommendation engines can be like, there are winners and losers. Yeah. Right? And Valve has a lot of power. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that uh, it changing and it, it's going to help some people and hurt others. Yeah. That's just, that's how, I mean, everything has to is right. going to do that. Right. Um, but it's really interesting to hear some people say like, oh, just, oh, objectively, this is bad. And so we're like, oh, objectively, this is great. It's because mm-hmm. they're just focusing on their own experience. Yeah. I will say Widget Satchel got like a little bump in hey. wishlists. Um, you know, we don't have like a, you know, we're not doing a lot of marketing with it yet. Yeah. So we're not, you know, looking for those numbers. But I just saw like a weird spike. Mm-hmm. It might not have to do anything to do with that. I don't know. Oh, well, that's, um, that's cool though. Yeah. And, and it might good. be that, you know, if you... Um, you know, pay attention to the things you do on your Steam page. So, like uh, tags and descriptions and the kinds of things that 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 make your Steam page work better in their ecosystem. Yeah, maybe that this change better promotes uh, recommended titles that where that data is well organized mm-hmm. in the way that Steam expects it to yeah. be. Anyway, yeah, I we are pretty hard on Valve in this show. <laughs> yeah, but I will be fair to Valve in that like this is a very difficult thing to even get remotely right because like there are just so many games on their platform. Um. So, like, I get that, like, it's difficult. If they change something, it'll just affect some people well and some people not so well. Yep. Oh, right. 
now it's the topic. Um, You've been away for a little while. <laughs> yes, I have been. I have been away for a little while, and I've lost all sense of time and what I'm doing. <laughs> you're, you're currently recording a podcast. Ah. <laughs> Did um, nobody tell you? <laughs> Wait, I'm being recorded? <laughs> um, so the reason I'm so tired and have been away is I was at XOXO Conference and Festival in Portland, Oregon cool. uh, last week, which was really, really cool and fun and interesting and made me think a lot about my life. And <laughs> <laughs> Wow, it, it sounds almost like it was a life-changing experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. It was very interesting. Is it it like was not a Burning a, Man of game <laughs> game stuff. <laughs> kind of. Oh really? Oh wow. Well, I mean, not. I mean, it had elements of that sort okay. of thing. Right. It's not a games festival, but you had no. said there's more gaming stuff than you even expected. Yes. So yeah. So um, a lot of the people who ended up showing up were game devs, um, and they had a whole like each night they had stuff going on. So um, they set up a huge tent. And um, like it's kind of like how we did a GlitchCon and mm. stuff like that. Had those big projectors that they projected the games onto. Yeah. So they had a, a selection of indie games from the area and also other places. Um, and they had them projected up on big screens and you could play them. And it was really cool. Um, and uh, they also had a board game and like tabletop sort of uh area okay. where um, and local game Root was there. Uh-huh. So that was exciting. <laughs> Um. Well, yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about like what this thing is, and like yeah, it's, it's a unique <laughs> type of festival, right? Yes. Um. Basically, I think the only thing that really ties everybody together is that they do stuff cool or interesting stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. So there were the speakers were like video people. They were people who made a tweet that went or like you know made a series that went viral for a while. Um, they're people who have written books, do podcasts. Um, they're like the people in the audience they met had like totally like very wide ranges of things that they did. Like there, I met a fiber, fiber artist from Australia and a, a wedding photographer from LA and, uh, a typographer from Boston mm. Um, yeah, so it's really hard to, to tell, say exactly what it is, but it was like, let's get a bunch of cool people and put them all in one place and see what happens. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, and like the first day was all like, they didn't plan any talks or anything like that except until the evening. And it was all, um, they have a Slack channel and people organized their own little meetups that whole day in different places around Portland. So we were like walking and busing around to different places around, not even at the the festival hall. Um, and that was really cool. I, so there was like a linguistics meetup that I went to and then the game dev meetup. And that was super awesome. Like there were at first when I got there, there was only like four of us. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awkward. <laughs> yeah. But then like the whole like we had a it was like a room in one of the local breweries and it filled like completely up to the brim yeah. of different types of people and everyone had really cool games. There was, um, I met someone from Kit Fox games Ooh. who did alpha bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that he was really cool. And, um, I met a bunch of people from, 
um, PIG, which is the Portland Indie Games Group. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or Portland Indie Games Squad. Um, PIGs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Rose City Games, which is a, a local publisher. Um, and they had, they're mostly showing their games, but we got into like these really cool, interesting discussions of like, okay, if you had, you know, a million dollars to make a game, uh, what, what game, large game project would you make? Mm-hmm. And like people brought, uh, like game problems that they were working on. We're like, Hey, what, like, I'm thinking about making this game with this aperture mechanic. Can you like, let's, can I brainstorm at you and yeah. like, tell me what, Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> um, so that was really neat. And um, just having that much creativity about games in one room at once from different places was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that night they had um, all the video people um, give presentations. And one of those was the studio called Small Boo. Small, Small Boo. Okay. Um, I've never heard of that. Uh, they... It's a husband and wife duo, okay. and they are both animators, and um, they have, like, I, the wife got an Emmy for working on some Cartoon Network show, which I forget which one, but... <laughs> Infinite Train? I don't know. I think that's one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, one of those. List them all. Go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you should look them up. They're yeah. really cool, um, but they're making a game, uh, like, they're animating and they hired a game studio to do the programming and stuff. And um, they're like, we tricked these game developers into working with us because we, <laughs> we just basically made an animated movie that they have to make into like into a game. We have got like so many, they talked about how many frames of animation they had and it's like some ridiculous amount, but their game is called later alligator and it looks adorable and I want to play it. And it's about an alligator and it's, and and you have to find it's like your uncle is missing and the whole the whole thing is set in alligator new york city um <laughs> okay <laughs> that's cool <laughs> um and it's basically like a point and click sort of thing but also like lots and lots of little mini games that aren't point and click um and it's adorable and i want it <laughs> <laughs> awesome um and also like this thing about this festival that's so cool and like weird is that you'll be on the Slack channel and it will be all these people that you don't know, but sound really cool. And then suddenly some celebrity will just be in there talking and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> like Adam Conover was on the Slack and um, uh, Anita Sarkeesian was at the festival and I was like standing like three feet away from her going, oh my God, I should talk to her, but I know <laughs> I shouldn't talk to her because I'll make a complete fool on myself. So I didn't. Um, <laughs> um, and um, Brian David Gilbert from Polygon was there and he um, showed his, like he does this series um, called Unraveled, which is um, basically he goes way too deep into the lore of whatever game. Way too deep. <laughs> Have you seen them? No, I haven't. Oh man, <laughs> he tried to do the whole Zelda timeline. Oh, that's no. how it started. Can't, can't, can't do that. <laughs> and he talked about how he, uh, like, he started this whole series out of spite because he hates video game lore. And they're like, "You have to do a video about video game lore." And oh, he's boy. like, "No, I hate you." So <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to. Okay, fine. You want me to do one about video game lore? I'll do videos about video game lore and i'll like you know so now he's done ones on like 
which which um, smash stages violate OSHA like requirements. <laughs> oh, I have like seen all these. of them, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen these. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and the, if there's some smash content, you've seen it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, the video that he showed that night was um, how to calculate your pet's HP based on which <laughs> <laughs> class they are. And oh, wow. It was amazing. It's pretty great. Um, so that was, I really am a big fan of his, so that was really fun to see and like hear, hear him talk about his process, which is basically like, what like what long piece of, of very dense text should I have to read? Like, which forms do I have to like go on today? Yeah. And he talked about how like, he'll get the ideas and for like what would be interesting about it, about the background of some games lore. And then, but it takes actually looking into it to find like, Oh, maybe actually, actually there's this other piece that's way more funny and interesting mm-hmm. that I yeah. didn't know until it used like start. And so the, the tension between keeping on the track that you've told your manager that you're going to do and actually like finding the, the funny, like, part of it that was really interesting to hear yeah, about cool um and then we get into talks and there were a lot of game developers in the actual conference talk part of it too Sweet. um the first one was uh, Anna, emma kanema from game workers unite oh sure. and she talked about unionizing and and um how to do that but not really how to do that it was like um why why we need game union game dev unions and how, um, as a union organizer, her job mostly is to listen to people and how even like, even if you don't ever start a formal union at your workplace, like two people talking and being in solidarity with each other about a work thing uh, and helping each other out is the essence of what a union is. Right. So. Um, right. Unions are the formal expression of organizing yes right and she says you can even if you like it's really scary to try to to do that because you're like fighting like if you look in the history of labor like bosses get pretty mad when Mm -hmm. you try to do like we're looking at right now at the kickstarter um the news just came out that they fired three people who were all union organizers this week which is illegal um (laughs) but um they're gonna have to fight them for that uh and it sucks a lot um so it's really scary and so her point kind of was like it's really scary but the place you can start is just start talking to your coworkers about anything that like and listen to them because yeah. that's like the management probably is not listening to them so even just having someone who will is important yeah so that was really interesting and i want to like read more about unions now <laughs> Um, the other game developers who were there as Hundred Rabbits, which is so there. Oh my god! It's are, another. <laughs> are there Hundred Rabbits in this game? I would hope so. No. <laughs> well, I don't know. I okay. haven't actually played any of their games yet. Oh, okay. But, oh, uh, it's a dev team. Yes. Oh. Okay. Um, it's uh, another husband wife pair, uh, except they decided, even though they had never sailed a boat in their lives, they were going to buy a sailboat and then sail around the world making games and tools and websites and stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow. They're very impressive people. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I feel like that's probably a less pull up by the bootstrap story than it sounds. Yeah. I was you know? say, they're very wealthy people. Well, no, oh. I, I think, I mean, yeah. I don't think they're like, I don't think the sailboat is like 
luxurious, right? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> no. But like, but you know, it takes some privilege to be able to oh, put that in motion, right? Yes, yeah. they uh, acknowledged that also. They're yeah. like, yeah, we're like, I the wife is Canadian, and I couldn't tell where the husband's from. Oh, but only we could be Canadian. <laughs> 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 well, and they were just like we had like large support networks, so we yeah, could do this, um, and that you know, that everybody is going to be able to just be like, yeah, I'm I'm buying a sailboat now, bye. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but they they talked a lot about how it's changed changed their whole perspective on development because they didn't never have like they had satellites sort of things, but it never really worked and their solar panel like it took a lot of power so they didn't really go on the internet unless they got to an island Mm -hmm. um and even there you had to go onto land to get the internet and often it was like super spotty so it was like long stretches where they couldn't look up the unity documentation exactly (laughs) (laughs) although the unity actually lets you down like it downloads the documentation onto your computer every time that's true for the current version (laughs) yeah but anyway um Yes, and they talked a lot about how because they were computer people, like every other boat person was like, oh, you need to fix my phone. It's broken. Here's my phone. (laughs) Um, And they found that like a lot of the problems that people were having is that all this software and phones even themselves will be trying to call back to home all the time, their servers and stuff. And some things will just shut down and won't work. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like really for if you're ever like if in your place where internet isn't always accessible like it really hampers your ability to do anything like he was trying to update like he does ios stuff Mm -hmm. and he was trying to update uh, just the version of whatever code he was libraries he was using and it it was he found another guy who was sitting there there at the cafe being like oh my god why won't it turns out they were both trying to download the same update and it was like nine gigs or something and it was all like on this like you know, you know, trickle of an internet and they're like, this is, we just can't do this anymore. Yeah. We're just going to be on the old version. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it really made me think about like, oh yeah, like we shouldn't, like there should be offline modes in every, every piece of software and phone and things. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't have to have an internet connection to use a, something you bought. So uh, my reaction is like, we need more investment in rural infrastructure. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> that also, but like, on the middle of the ocean, that's not going to help anybody. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing they talked about was um, because they were trying to run everything off of solar power and not get any power from the grid at all, sure. um, that they had to pare down everything that they used. So like most of their development they did on Raspberry Pis, um, and they only did it during daylight hours. Um, and they like extended some, like they put one game on one of their Raspberry Pis to play after dark, but like until the, <laughs> the battery ran out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and how they would like, instead of most of the time we want our processors to work faster and faster and like overclock things. Um, but they like purposely cut their processing speed down. So like everything that they did, it was like an end where he like, if you want to say this, it's going to take a really long time. Yeah. So you want, you got to be sure that you're going to want to do this thing. Right. So everything became like very intentional uh, when they were coding. There was no like superfluous stuff, which is really interesting to think about because as developers, like we have infinite space, we think like, yeah, the, yeah. 
Well, so, a common development strategy is to, uh, and development hardware uh, is like this, where the development hardware is usually more capable than the consumer hardware. And so you you develop with abandon, and then you pay, then you optimize. Yes, yeah, right. But you know, if if your working environment is such <laughs> where you can't run clock cycles, will then mean they have less time to work during the day. You need to think about it in a different order. Yeah, it's really interesting. Exactly. Um, the other thing they talked about was that um, devices and things are becoming less and less easy to repair, um, and so uh, they're thinking about like trying to do more modular stuff and and how commercial like the commercial stuff that you buy is becoming less and less sustainable for um people because they can't replace the parts in it mm-hmm. anymore um and they're like yeah there's some things that were in our laptops that were just literally glued down so if you tried to replace it you'd wreck the whole board oh. uh and so, so that was really interesting made me think about like hmm <laughs> We need a revolution in in hardware as well. <laughs> anyway, so they were really interesting, and now I want to go look up all their games and play them. <laughs> and um, like you know, they weren't just you know sailing around goofing off; they were trying to make a business out of it. Yes, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, and their their whole point was trying to make business, meeting people from places that they wouldn't have otherwise, and being really sustainable about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. How do they do play tests? That's what I'm oh. curious about. Well, uh, yeah. you were saying that there were other people they would meet on the road, right? They had or many the ports road. of call, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so they, I think they didn't really talk about that because they talked more about like these technical. Their unique problems. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Not their common game type <laughs> problem. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, those were the formal, the formal talks. Um, it was, it was cool because um the whole festival was held at this um there's this old high school that didn't have enough students apparently and so then they turned it into this event space so all the talks were in the high school auditorium and then they had all these tents set up for the arcade and stuff out in the soccer field or whatever that used to be outside of it um and they had these food trucks like that set up all in the field too so you just go get your food and go see all the things um it was one of like the most like uh accommodating and like amenity filled festival like conferences i've ever been to like that you if you had a problem or a suggestion or anything you just go on the slack and say hey this is the thing that i need and people will be like we got you (laughs) and they had like they gave everybody enamel pronoun pins Ah. so that's really cool um and like they had like content warnings and all the talks that needed them and like any just like I don't know, everyone was really aware of all the things that might be affecting you. Um, which was really, really awesome. So yeah, so you could like because of it was this in this really cool space, you could just walk out and um end up t- like walk into a group of people and just start talking to them. Ah. Um and we did that like a bunch of game game developers all ended up doing that in the field and talking about like game ideas. And now I have a really cool game idea that I want to do because I've been playing <laughs> um, <laughs> Wilmot's Warehouse, uh-huh. uh, which is a game about sorting things. But that's what they say. But really, it's a very very stressful game where you have to like put things in certain places so you can get them to like it's all on timers and you have to to very quickly move things to 
give them to the people who want them. And I'm very disappointed in that because I wanted it to be like a non-stressful sorting game because that's my favorite thing. Every time I see someone uh, post about that on Twitter, it's always like with many capital letters and and you know uh, colorful (laughs) metaphors. Yeah, people. It's very very frustrating game. Apparently, yes. Oh. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I can't. It makes my blood pressure just rise thinking about it. Anyway, so I was thinking about that, and then I was talking with a game developer from, I think he was from Portland, I've, and I've also forgot. I think his name was Paul. Anyway, you're really great if you're listening. Um, he was uh, talking about um, he has this idea, cool, really cool idea for a game where you're like going through memories based on. Um, objects in a house. Okay. And I was like, ah, oh, okay. So combine that idea with a sorting idea. And basically you just, <laughs> it's a game where you Mari Kondo your house, like someone's house uh-huh. and you have to sort all the things in their house into different boxes. And like, so it's combines like finding cool treasures hidden in little places with sorting things. That's what I want to make. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, That's if cool. you remember this person's name, you should, you should collaborate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening, get in touch. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, I had. I think it was a really, really inspiring place to be, and uh, I am really looking forward to continuing to talk to people on the Slack and yeah. just uh, con- to continue to reflect and make new ideas and right. Things yeah. Like so that. you you had said uh, at the beginning of the topic that like the is it's changed the way you thought about your life. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was all like this, all the game dev stuff was kind of uh, different from a lot of the talks that were happening. Like sure. the, a lot of the talks were very emotional and oh, okay. like kind of too much at some times. Like, um, and that was one of the things I kind of didn't like about the conferences. Like they invited a lot of really cool people that did a lot of cool things, but some of the prompts they gave them to talk about, like didn't really draw out. Like it drew out more like very, like a lot of their raw pain, which was kind of confusing. And right. You like going to conferences to learn new things and hear about cool stuff. But this, a lot of people like the sort of like inspirational talks and there's maybe more of that than you liked. Um, I guess so. I mean, I think it was really like it seemed like a lot of the people who talked about the struggles that they were having, it was really important for them to talk about because it wasn't mm-hmm. things that they usually talked about. It seemed sure. Sure. Um, like there were a lot of people who talked about uh, getting harassed online, and there was one woman who had to like move to a new state because people were sending her pi- like this is all not nice stuff. It was like mm-hmm. sending her pictures yeah. of her house. Oh, and being like, we know where you live and yeah. stuff like that. And it was just like really emotional and and like very hard to, to listen to, but like very important. Right. Tell, airing that, telling that story. <laughs> yeah. Is important. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was very intense. And I didn't I guess I didn't go into it necessarily thinking that that was what <laughs> was going to happen. Right, so it right. took me like yeah, it took me off guard a okay. little bit. Like you appreciated it, but you didn't really want it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh god, oh 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes, it, so in that way, it was kind of emotionally draining. But sure. but also now I have a bunch of books to look up and a lot of cool ideas and yeah. uh, 
Portland is awesome. Uh-huh. Like it's basically like if you've ever been to Seward neighborhood in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. um, it's basically if you took Seward neighborhood and made it the whole city. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, like every few blocks, there was some quirky coffee shop where you could write on the walls or like, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> they <proved their, laughs> it's not my kind of thing then. <laughs> but all right. <laughs> or like the new brewery that opened up that has like, you know, special ingredients from blah, blah, blah. Or oh, like <laughs> they just built this huge apartment building here. That's like eco-friendly. Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> How many um, handlebar mustaches did you spot? <laughs> so many. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and oh, and I went to a Japanese like import store oh, that cool. people recommended. And it was, I was like, Dylan, I, we can't go to Japan ever because I will spend all our money <laughs> and it will be very bad. <laughs> Except I really want to go now. Um, yeah, they had a giant pusheen that was bigger than me. And oh, I was wow. like, I want it. Can I take it with me, with me on the plane? Can I just buy another seat for the pusheen? <laughs> but I, I, I unfortunately could not take her home. But Uh-oh. Next time. Next yeah. time. <laughs> so anyway, that was my experience. Cool. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like you got a lot out of it. What What are you going to do with, with that knowledge? What are you doing next? Uh, the- I got to make a game. Like, yeah. everywhere I talk to, like, the only thing, they're like, so, what do you do? And I was like, well, I have a podcast. Here's my podcast card. Um, I also make games because that's what the podcast is about. And they're like, oh, what game are you making? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, made, I made a claw breaker, a crab game. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> so I really got to start working on, I really got to actually make a game and stop lying to you all listeners. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so is it that you, uh, you came away with like uh, ideas and inspiration or really more just motivation? Both, I would yeah. say. Like I have ideas for new things, but also like I need to buckle down yeah. and actually spend, t- like, spend time o- every week working on something. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I did, like when you know when before I was working on game dev full time and was just trying to find nights and weekends. The finding the time is the hardest part. Yes, <laughs> like it's you can feel like a big hobby that you spend a ton of time on, and then four months go by and you've done nothing. Like I I, I used to feel that all the time, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, everyone handles it a little differently. Some people like to steal a half hour here and there. Some people like to block off a whole day because it's the only way to get anything started. Yeah. Some people just give over their weekends and then they just they go out with friends on Thursdays. Like it, everyone is a little different, and you just got to find your way to make it work because mm-hmm. you might not know exactly what the best way is. You know. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Let's figure it out. Okay. Cool. I'll report back. Well, I think we'll start asking you every episode. Uh, what have you done on your game this what's week? Your, what's, your, what's your progress? <laughs> We're doing it. Yep. And listeners, too, send us tweets. Get us the feedback form. feedback, <laughs> And uh, tell Martha. Keep me accountable. Yeah. Right. If I have to get messages to watch people's trailers, <laughs> you also have to be accountable. We, we all need a burden to carry. <laughs> we got to give something to Martha. And we, we found one for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I regret everything. Um, um, but yeah, shout out to any new listeners from XOXO. Uh, you're all are great. Mm-hmm. It sounds like our kind of people. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I think nice games would fit in well with mm-hmm. all of us. You know, you mentioned so. this back when you, you talked on the show about going uh, many, many weeks ago when you got your ticket. But the, uh, it was a small festival and the... Uh, Got a little smaller this year by design. 
Yes. Yeah. Last year, people talked a lot about how last year was way different because last year was like a couple thousand people and it was held in the convention center in Portland okay. or some, something, something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they felt like that because most the, like the whole point of the conference is to get people to start talking to each other and collaborating and meeting each other from different places that having that many people kind of made it really super overwhelming for people and also made it so that like there were less little places for people to meet and and the meetups became so huge that it was like well i'm basically (laughs) right it it becomes a party (laughs) yeah yeah exactly instead of like very intentional Mm -hmm. talking and meeting people so sure uh, Which I know you and I are this sort of same way that like the bigger the crowd, the less interested we are in it and, yeah, and the less well, effective we can be there. Yes. Right? Like the first night they have just like a big party mm-hmm. for all the extroverts, I guess. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> they get one night. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I did not have a very good time the first night. I just sat next to uh, Patrick Leader who did Red Wit and he mm-hmm. was doing a little like playtest thing and I was like I'm just going to sit here and watch you playtest because <laughs> I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> well, so. it's excellent that like it seems like you picked the right year to go. Yes, when yes. We sort of figured out how to make it very Martha friendly. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, my concern is like, you know, it, uh, to, it's got to stay small but demand is going to go up because people talk about it. Oh, yeah. And, it, it, and that can lead, that can be difficult to, to what the solution needs to be is it needs to be dozens of these events run by different people. And so many people have the opportunity to go to one. Yeah. 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 It would be really cool to do some sort of locally one here. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there are a lot of cool people here doing stuff and like having that, having a conference that isn't about a specific industry was also like, is so cool. Yeah. Like just getting ideas from things that aren't just game dev or aren't just music or aren't just, blah like is was really cool yeah it's nice anyway that that was it you should get in the lottery next year see if you can go (laughs) if you can afford it and stuff they also have um um if you can't afford it they have comp passes and stuff like that okay to apply for too cool um and they have like free child care and like a whole bunch of other stuff so like yeah it sounds like that's a part of their maintaining their scale is so that they can continue to offer a lot of those services and, and, and the qual- quality of life things for a conference that is harder at larger conferences. Yes. Yes. It was very easy to be there. <laughs> so <laughs> that's good. Um, and it was all made possible by sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> we agreed you didn't have to do a transition into the ad, but you, you, that was a good one. <laughs> Can you believe it? This week's episode of Nice Games Club is sponsored by Codex, the project management tool for game developers made by game developers. It's made by the same team behind the highly rated Curious Expedition and its upcoming sequel. Now, if you used a project management tool in the past, you know that learning a new one can be like, you know, kind of annoying. I hate those. But I love them. Well, however you feel about them, Codex is different. It has a playful, approachable design inspired by trading card games. It uses familiar metaphors like decks and hands, so you can quickly organize your tasks, adjust your workflow, assign priority, or whatever else you need to do to manage your otherwise total mess of a project. Hey, be nice. Codex also has Discord integration, which no other tool of its kind has. 
Collect feedback, ideas, and bug reports from your community, which you can then lovingly implement or callously ignore as you please. Codex scales to any project, so it's perfect whether you're working alone or with a team of any size. Sign up for free at codex.io slash nicegamesclub and get a special introductory offer. I'm going to spell it out for you. C-O-D-E-C-K-S dot I-O slash nicegamesclub. That's C-O-D-E-C-K-S dot I-O slash nicegamesclub. Be sure to use that address so we get the credit because we like these people and we want to stay friends with them. Martha? That's codex.io slash nicegamesclub. Banana. Whoa, Steven, so random. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that was bad. You guys, you guys didn't plan that in advance, did you? No. <laughs> wow. I, You're both I, getting good at this. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> My topic is randomization. That wasn't obvious. Uh, <laughs> so I like randomization in, in some cases, not in every case, but like I think it's pretty great. I know that it gets a bad rap in, in the game dev circles a lot of time. Actually, from gamers specifically, because they're like, oh, the randomization took my game away, and I, right. I didn't get to actually win. Right, I should have won is the, is the standard opinion of all gamers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty accurate. I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I wanted to talk about it some, because like uh, there have been, recently there have been some things about randomization that have come up in my life uh, related to games that uh-huh. I wanted to, I guess I sort of want to talk about. Um, but like this is, you don't need to justify it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I was interested in it. I've been mm-hmm. actually wanted to talk about randomization for a long time. Cause like, I feel like it's a topic that is kind of discussed, but not like in depth. And we haven't had, we've we talked we, about it. We weave it into a lot of topics cause yeah. it comes up a lot. Yeah. But we've but, never really focused on yeah, it. Yeah. So I really wanted to bring yeah. it up. Um, so this isn't like an exhaustive list of what randomization is or can be. It's just stuff that I've like observed. And all of us have observed and stuff. Um, one thing I did want to bring up before we start off the topic is that um, procedural generation is, is, is sort of kind of a, a form of randomization, but only in that like it procedurally generates your content and it doesn't necessarily have to be um, a random set uh, each time you play the game. So, right. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's just randomly generated at w- when the developer makes the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, randomness as a tool rather than randomness as a game mechanic. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, like for example, No Man's Sky, uh, you know, procedurally generated all of their planets and things like that, and so the planets are randomly generated, but they're but they're randomly generated when the game was built, mm-hmm. um, and so they are all now the exact same every time you play the game. From a, I do the clarification. I think is sort of yes. interesting is. You're, the, from a design perspective, that's right. They're yeah. randomized when the game is built. Yes. But in terms of what literally happens, it's it's randomized on your console mm-hmm. every time you play, but it's the same result every time. Oh, oh okay. Because uh, it has the same seed. Because yeah, because it has you know it has billions and puns trillions of planets. Yeah. And you can't store all that on on in a ROM. Pun, so puns trillion. <laughs> is that a number? <laughs> sure. But. Um, uh, but you can you, that algorithm can generate the same result every time. Yeah. And that can be an effect. Basically, it's a compression technique. Oh yeah, in, yeah, in a I sense. Suppose. You yeah. know, but so, yeah, but and I think that's a, a game developers sometimes have a hard time because they're so mired in it mm-hmm. that sometimes the way it's designed and how it is, like what it literally is, as it floats in the air as a thought and idea and an object, yeah, is different from like literally how it's put together technically, right? And so it's sometimes uh, easy to conflate those two things, even when you're separating. 
like a procedural, like, you know, design element versus a tool. Like, you know what I mean? It'd yes. still be kind of hard. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I, I wanted to bring that up at the top because like we have, we have talked about procedural generation in past episodes, mm-hmm. but um, this is more about the randomization that happens during the game. So like, for example, critical hits in an RPG, you're all familiar with that probably. Um, that is uh, big numbers flying big, off. Of them. <laughs> big numbers flying off <laughs> with like an exclamation point. Or yeah. Something. Oh, those are fun. Um, yes. So, uh, I'm going to miss some stuff. Please correct me y'all. If I miss some things about like the benefits and non benefits of randomization, but I'm going to start with the benefits. Um, one thing I really like about randomization is that like it obscures the optimal strategy in the game. Um, and I think this is particularly interesting or used in like RPGs, for example, in Pokemon, for example, like there are, um, there are like variations of moves that will do more damage, but it's you're randomly, you have a random chance to miss that action. Um, and so like you could go with the thing that's a sure fire hit, but it's going to deal less damage. Or you can go with something that's going to deal more damage, but it's a little risky. Um, things like that. It also provides an innate uh, high point and low point thing. Because like if your numbers are higher, sometimes it's a high point. If your numbers are lower, it's a low point. <laughs> uh, it can allow for very powerful options to be available to you at random intervals. Um, and so as a result, they can be like they can be very situationally, but like really powerful in that situation. Or they can be just like in general, just really powerful, and you just get like a cool moment. Um, but like you can also have things that, are, as a result, are situational but not useful in the moment. But you don't feel like this is a waste of an option because you're just getting a bunch of options. Um, it can add a variety to a game. I mean, like WarioWare, for example, it would be not nearly as fun if you always played the same mini games every time you played the game. Um, so adding having the randomization allows you to, you know changes variety and stuff Mm -hmm. and it also incentivizes adaptation in the game versus memorization so like for example if the boss and um in our if 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 a boss in rpg always uses the exact same attacks every single time you just prepare for those particular attacks and then block or not block as appropriate but um if because the attacks are random you have to adapt to what the boss is bringing to the table um so that's important to uh you know, if you want like your player to have to consider that kind of stuff and adapt to things instead of memorize things, then randomization is a good tool. But um, as a result of randomization, you don't get to really control uh, the results of the game. And I think this is probably the biggest one as a developer, anyways, and really as a player too. That like when you put something in the game and it is random, there is a chance that the game will be a worse version of the game you want because you, I mean, the results you the result that comes from the randomization is not what you wanted <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> um, and so like, as a, as a result, also a player can feel cheated. Um, as we said in the beginning that like, because like it might feel like the game is working against you because you rolled the die and you rolled a one when you wanted a six or whatever. Um, and sometimes it can feel a little, it can feel a little arbitrary if it's not done well, because like if you're only getting like, Five percent more damage on this attack. It's not going to feel like it matters whether or not the thing is random. Yeah, just give me the one hundred damage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's definitely a problem I have with it, which is like randomizing the uh, the result between like a positive result or a maybe like a middling result. Mm-hmm. I understand that, but yeah. then the difference between seventy one and seventy two percent, I care so little about that. The distinction, <laughs> yeah, and yet uh, so many like numbers based games really want to reveal that to you as the player, but yeah. it's just. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's hard to appreciate it because, yeah, it literally, yeah, you literally cannot tell the difference between 1% of thing. You can tell the difference yeah. between like 
thirty percent versus sixty percent of something. That I mean, it's double. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, for a start, yeah, <laughs> right. But like, it, it's very difficult to uh, when you're like just playing when you're just playing the game and rolling the die each time. You can't really feel the the difference between such small changes. Yeah, um, I think that like a lot of games that have that kind of stuff where like you get a seventy one versus seventy two percent chance are RPGs where you can get a bunch of things and combine them together to make one significant uh, change to mm-hmm. your chances. Um, but yeah, like what just one thing isn't super great. Um, but that being said, like if you have like a 1% chance to deal like a bajillion and two damage, I'm making up numbers too. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, then, uh, then like that feels really good. Um, but like if, if you get that 1% chance, but like also if like, you have a 99% chance to fail that attack, then like you're not really going to roll the die. So it's like something yeah. you gotta consider when you're inputting this randomization in the in the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of different examples. Um, I'm sure there are some famous ones, and we're maybe or maybe not gonna go over those. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but like one, for example, that's really uh, popular is Mario Party, where like you know you have die rolls constantly in the game. You have to roll die to move around the board, and wherever you land on the board determines what happens not only in, during your turn but also during the mini game section when you're picking what mini games happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes like that just feels random. I think that I, I think like, I, I, I'm not exactly sure on how they decided on the randomization on this, but I'm, I'm thinking that like some of the die when you hit it, uh, it actually does when you touch it, it will actually display the number that you hit it on. But I think in other Mario party games, when you hit the die, it is literally just a random die, no matter what was displayed on the screen right. at that moment. So there's some, strategy in some versions of it where you can try yes. to like get yeah 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 but like you you can't exactly there are like no whammies no whammies right <laughs> exactly that um um yeah i think there are like there are some items you can get in mario party games that will slow down the the speed of the die mm-hmm. and so like you can more better determine yeah what uh die roll you get um but that that is an example of randomization that like very heavily impacts wh- how the game works mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just so many different examples of that. Like when you land on a chance time and then like there's a chance that you might get a bunch of somebody else's coins or their stars. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. Randomization <laughs> is like, oh, like a, a theme of, of for that game. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's part of the premise. Yeah. And that's what makes it like forgivable compared to other types of games where you could like randomly go from first place to fifth place. Yeah. Where it just doesn't feel fair. I yeah. think. Well, I mean, I, I would contend that it still doesn't feel fair. I, I suppose And that it feels kind of like a blue shell and that <laughs> Nintendo is out to make all of us hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, it's, it's fascinating because I guess I just think that's the counter, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's certainly fair to argue that it's like, it's not a fun game because what's the point? Yeah. But I think because it's so, forcefully tells you that everything's going to be basically random. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, yeah, as a result of that, you can approach it at that level, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but as a result of all of those things, the big impact of changes that you do have control over really suck or are really <laughs> great. So, like, for example, uh, a lot of Mario Party games have, like, the Boo House or whatever, where you can go to the house and you pay 50 coins and then you can steal somebody else's star. You can do that off your own, you know, decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, that really sucks because like that is not a chance thing where everything else is a chance thing so like if you feel like you've been getting good fortune you might start feeling like you're getting piled on by your friends because you really want because they all want you to lose or something right like right that. right i guess it's the same issue that like other board games have so yeah that's true it's well, not unique one to thing that, i really right? do like about mario party is in the more recent titles yeah. that they have different dice yeah so some are like oh there's it's three threes 
two twos and a one or or something, mm-hmm. right? And then like, and they're all roughly balanced. It gives you some agency in terms of like, which random generator am I going to choose for this yeah. character? Yeah. And some of them have uh, have um, higher risk and higher reward. And I think that's a really fun way to play with randomization is to give players some just some input on that at that starting point. Yeah, give some give them some input on what the randomization can mean. What it also does emotionally is like when I roll a die and I'm just getting one after one after one and I feel stupid and unlucky. Yeah. But if I picked the die that had a couple of ones because it also had a bunch of sixes, uh-huh. like or, or tens or whatever because the, the six-sided die go up to 10 in my oh, party, right? Okay. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how it works? Oh yeah, you're right, you're yeah, right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But um, do you know what I mean? If I if I made that calculation at the beginning, mm-hmm. then any bad luck I have, I feel responsible for. Right. And now this is not any more true than if I had just been given a die and, and rolled those same results. Mm-hmm. But it makes it makes me less it makes me feel more accountable and less emotionally cheated. Right, because you were the one who opted for that risk. Yeah, it's smoke and mirrors like everything in games, but yeah. it's really effective and, and I think useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um and then like Mario Party mini games, like it's random what mini game you get. Yeah. But the mini games themselves, uh some of them do have some randomization in them, but a lot of them do not. Mm-hmm. Um and so like that's where it feels more like a skill based thing. And so whenever I play Mario Party, I skip the bar, the, bar, the party game part of it, and I always just went straight to the mini games because I felt like the party game part was a waste of time because uh, it didn't feel like I was I, right. actually winning anything. Right. You want just pure carnival games. Yes. <laughs> um, the one example I really wanted to talk about, uh, and the reason why I specifically want to talk about it now is... Uh, Super Smash Brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Shocker, what? That's right? so out of character for you. It's <laughs> <laughs> so out of left field, yes. Um, it, they uh, released Hero, uh, the Dragon Quest character um, that they just put into the game uh, like a month ago. Um, and uh, he's got a lot of random aspects to him, which is very unique. Well, not super unique because Smash does have some randomization in it. But it's very unique in that like, he's got a bunch of different randomization factors. So, like, his down B uh, will give him a random list of spells. Out of, like, 17, he'll pick, be able to pick from four of them. And they all have different impacts. Um, and so when this character was uh, released, he was very controversial in that, like, a lot of people were like, this is a purely random character that's going to determine whether or not I win or lose this game. Mm. I don't want this character in my tournaments. <laughs> stuff like that. And he was, in fact, banned in, I think, like, South Australia in some South Australian tournaments because of this factor because the south australians can't handle change yeah (laughs) (laughs) they're actually actually the first they're the quickest to ban things like they banned bayonetta during smash 4 when people are like bayonetta's op um so (laughs) they have a history of this kind of behavior they're i think they're a small community so they kind of can get away with it that's why they do that it's kind of neat they have an identity yeah that's fun (laughs) yeah um but like i wanted to talk about heroes specifically because like he's got he's got all these different factors so he's got the the four different or the, the, his down B where like he can pick from a random set of uh, abilities. He's also got random crits on his smashes, which is really like cool flavor, but like it really sucks if like you get hit by a, uh, a smash attack and it crits you and kills you when you were at like 30% health. Um, so uh, those, are, like, those are the different kinds of things. Um, Does it play kind of risk reward where like if I'm a beginner and I suck at Smash, yeah. let's just imagine that's the case. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I play this character. Yeah. Uh, if I get lucky, mm-hmm. I can take on like a you know a talented amateur, and and maybe they will hate it. Yeah. But like, but at the same time, I could also randomly do even worse than my middling skill. Has. Right. So I I think the way that they've designed this character, for the most part, if you're not good at playing hero, you're not going to do well because mm-hmm. there's. 
there is some risk assessment involved in like pressing the down B because like when you're doing that and looking through the menu, you're you're just standing there looking at a menu where your opponent can move freely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they can do whatever they want. Um, and uh, so like you're you're stuck doing that menu thing as a result of that. And so like there's some there's some risk involved in that. Just pulling up the menu in general, or just the mechanic. Is, yeah. yeah. And and when you pull up the menu, you might not get anything you want, so you have to wait like I think a second or something before you can pull up the menu again. Um, but um, like and also his uh, heroes. Smash attacks are pretty slow, and they're not that long range for a sword character. So, uh, like, it's already hard enough to hit these smash attacks. If you get hit by a smash attack, you were asking to get hit by a smash attack. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it it really isn't the case where, like, a, uh, in the most in most cases, it's not really the case where the better player will lose to somebody who's using hero. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some instances of hero that are pretty wild though, because there's a couple of attacks that hero has, or a couple of spells of the 17 that hero can pull out that, um, can kill, can, def- uh, automatically KO a character in, uh, if they have like zero health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are the ones that are like the most controversial things. And there's some viral videos of, uh, people getting wrecked by this stuff. But most of the time it's like somebody who's very tournament experienced wrecking somebody who's like, they're the, they're only there that, that their third time or something okay. playing it. So it sounds like you don't have any of these same complaints. That I don't do. No, okay. but like there are, I, I, I do think that there are some legitimate concerns because there are those couple spells that can like really Im- wildly impact the, the chance that um, you'll win a game. Yeah. Um, but like the, the way that you have to pull them out and the, the chance that it will actually, you know, defeat your character instantly is so small that like, it really doesn't make that yeah. much of a difference. I'm actually a little surprised because I, 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 like you explained your affinity for randomization mm-hmm. and I, I th- that tracks a lot with what I know about yeah. you and the things you like, but also the way you approach fighting games and the reason you like fighting games seem, I'm actually a little surprised that yeah. you're just totally nonplussed by the fact <laughs> that there's just a character who can just, you know, uh, uh, from time to time, yeah. totally outclass <laughs> someone in, in a, a fraction second that makes just by the random roll of a die. Sure. I mean, yeah, I guess that is a little off-rand for me, but like the it's way, okay. I, I yeah. mean, there's nothing. There's, no, there's no contradiction there. Oh, it just yeah, surprised no. me a little bit because I think you know, think of an uh, you know, like a game like Soul Calibur. Yeah, if there was a character like that in Soul Calibur, would you feel differently? There, I mean, there actually is a character. Well, there is a character that can like get randomly benefited. Tira, who um, uh, is the character, <laughs> um, <laughs> she has like a ring blade thing that makes no sense. Um, but anyways, like she gets a random chance. She has like a gloomy and uh, happy state or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like every once in a while, if she does certain attacks, she'll transfer into the gloomier state and she deals more damage as a result of that. Um, so there is some randomization okay. in Soul Calibur already. Is this actually, am I just mistaken? Is this actually something that's in a lot of fighting games? There, not a lot. Okay. There are some. I think there's some. There's uh, notable examples. Yeah, there's, I think there's a character in Guilty Gear who like has a bunch of random stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't play Guilty Gear though, so I can't, I can't remember what that character is. There's, yeah, there's not a lot of examples because I think a lot of fighting game players and devs think that randomization has no place in fighting games. Right. But I think that, as with all fighting games, really, there's a risk assessment involved. Mm-hmm. So, like, whenever you decide to do anything, you, you, need to, you need to determine whether or not you're going to, do, you're going to take this risk. Yep. There's just more risk involved, or there's more risk assessment involved in a, a chance that this thing can fail or uh, dramatically uh, benefit you yeah. um, because of the result of randomization. So, I, I think that, like, it's the same it's almost the same thing right and where a fighting game purist might be um might say like oh i don't know exactly what the other player is going to do so that's a risk assessment but if i'm clever enough i can anticipate exactly what they're going to do yeah even though that's not really true that yeah. there is some level of randomization in terms of the experience you have a little bit yeah because you can't 
there's no way to actually predict what the so right it's basically the same thing yeah but it doesn't feel like the same thing and right. so maybe fighting game fans are like no but if i'm if i'm, if I'm clever enough <laughs> well and a lot of high level things a lot of the things you're trying to do is you're trying to manipulate your opponent to do the thing you want them to do right so that you can beat them yeah <laughs> or yeah, so you yeah. can counter that thing right um, but there's only a certain chance that's going to happen right yeah there's only so much you can do about it and like if your opponent is just like no i'm gonna do what i want and then you get and in fact there's examples of that like where a player um, is playing like by the rules, uh, by the book sort of fighting game player style. And then another player comes in and plays completely differently from that. Yeah. And like both of these players are skilled, but like one player is because they play so differently from what they expect. They, uh, the higher skilled player ends up losing to this other player. Right. That's essentially how Muhammad Ali became heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is by boxing differently. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like it, yeah, it's, it, I think it's the same. It's almost the same kind. It's the same kind of principle. Yeah. So that's why it doesn't bother me that much. Would it bother you if Charles beat you with the random character? It bothers me when Charles beats me in anything, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, but when he beats you in something, it bothers you because you feel shame. But if he beat you with a random, as a random result, uh-huh. would that be a different kind of a, a, upset? Uh, I mean... We should run some tests. <laughs> we should have Charles beat you repeatedly and observe the result. No. <laughs> Uh, uh, another example of randomization is roguelikes. Roguelikes, you know, have you know famously they give you random loot, you get randomly generated levels, stuff like that. Um, and as a result of that, you have to like adapt to your surroundings, and you pick up, you pick up uh, the things you pick up and the things you decide to do are determined based on what has been rolled. Uh, so, like, yeah, I, I, I what I really like about randomization, honestly, is like the fact that it rewards a player who's good at adapting to things. More so than the player who's good at like calculating or uh, memorizing different actions, um, and I mean even with like even with the even adaptation has some form of memorization because you need to know what capabilities are possible. But like um, if you can you know figure it out and adapt to what is happening, then like it's it's I find it to be a very interesting a more interesting kind of thing. Mm. Uh, I really like Rogue Legacy. Speaking of Rogue Likes, yeah, um, because uh, the it randomizes the map, mm-hmm. but if you really like the map, you can play the whole thing again. Uh, oh, that's really cool. You, there's like a little guy you talk to who like screws in a, this little thing. So it like locks the dungeon in place. <laughs> oh. But the downside is that you get like um, 25% less gold or something oh, from okay. each chest. And that, that make, well, I mean, that makes sense in the context of the game because yeah. like, you're supposed to be adapting to it. So like yeah. if you're uh, not adapting to it, then but it's like, they don't want to discourage that option. Right. The price for, uh, you know, to keep some of that knowledge is like a little bit less loot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like if you're trying to go for a special thing and it happens because your characters get randomized, you get to pick between three randomized ones, but yeah. they're all randomized. Mm-hmm. And like you find that the like, the first time you went through the dungeon, I was like, oh, yeah, look, there's that chest that probably has the you know new piece of armor I need, but I need to be a very small character to get in there. And my, right now I'm a really big one. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's like a really easy room to get to placed wise. Yeah. So, and the next time you were like, oh, my next random character is a very tiny person. Mm-hmm. So then you can lock the thing down to get the special thing. And yeah. you don't care about the money at that point because you're going for the special thing. So, yeah. That's cool. Like that's yeah. an aspect of randomization that allows you to feel opt- opportunistic about things. Yes, and so like yeah, you can yeah, feel yeah. Ser- serendipitous when like you know everything works out in your way. That's really cool about it. Yeah, I think randomization feels good when a random uh, event or result or scenario approaches, and then you 
can then react strategically to it, mm-hmm. right? Rather than you just having to like react immediately or the ran- or the the result is randomized. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. The result, like, or like, the, yeah, the result of the randomization determines the result of the game. Yeah. And, and that, those are the, that's the kind of randomization that is not as interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. then it's just like uh, two people competing over uh, coin flips. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, speedrunners oftentimes have to like manipulate um, RNG. If you've watched uh, uh, Summer Games Done Quick or Awesome Games Done Quick, you'll see speedrunners, especially like in the Pokemon ones. They'll like pick up certain items or walk a certain way around things so they'll make so they'll guarantee like their Pokemon will hit crit this time, this turn, or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, so it's really I li- I really like watching that kind of stuff because it's really fascinating to see them have to do all of these things in order to get it to work. I remember like one of the Pokemon, uh, one of the Pokemon runs I was watching. They like had to make sure that they started the game at like seventeen frames when the game uh, when the low start screen pulled up or something like that. Oh my god! In order, <laughs> in order to make sure that they um, would get the right rolls or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's isn't a uh, classic Super Mario Brothers? Doesn't it have like a particular like almost impossible to calculate start? Like if you press it, uh-huh. after you boot the game, yeah. If you press a certain amount of time, then you like save a frame rule or something stupid like that. Um, I think I think the rule. Are like you talking so, about the bus thing? No, it's sort of. But uh-huh. I, I mean, um, but like aside from the normal techniques for that, like yeah. it's actually just the the when you press start to begin the game after the game itself loads, mm-hmm. that is deter- that determines something. Oh, okay. I might be thinking of a different game. But that's, like that's the, cool, the comment I heard about that was like, yeah, it's so hard to do that no one does it, <laughs> right. but it would save you a lot. But it's so like it's just unthinkable as a strategy yeah um and i find that sort of fascinating yeah like the idea that like yeah we know it's we know it's there we know we could take advantage but like it's just not worth it like even though we're trying to get we're trying to shave it we're trying to do impossible things yeah that's just whatever yeah (laughs) we just we can't yeah (laughs) yeah that's cool um loot in games you know is random off the all most of the time it might be the like the what people think of most in this era of games. yeah actually yeah it's very true um, so like Borderlands is, you know, it's got a bajillion guns. Oh, I didn't make up that number. They made it up. Dang it. <laughs> um, um, and so you know, other I, roguelikes, you know, have a bunch of these RPGs yeah. will give you slightly better swords or whatever else. Um, Martha, I want you to talk about like building out your inventory in a game like Borderlands and how loot plays into that. Cause you love just getting loot after loot. And that's a big theme of the game. It's just piles and piles of stuff. Yes. But then, uh, mechanically, what is the, what's the, ad- what's what's fun about then like organizing and sorting your loot well or organizing and sorting uh <laughs> like going through each um like piece of equipment or gun and being like okay what are the stats on this one is this better than this one? Oh, there's like this downside because of this um and then you have like chances of getting like super rare ones sometimes mm-hmm. like in borderlands 2 i have a class mod which is like gives you bonuses to different stuff in here for your particular character. Uh, and uh, it's like this golden class mod or something that only drops. It's very rare drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I just got it randomly running around one day and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel good when you find stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Which so is probably not good, but that whatever. moment of discovery. Yes. Like, that's the, that's where the core of it is. It's not the having it and using it. Um, it's more of the like invent. I like inventory management. It drives yeah. Dylan up the wall because I'm in, <laughs> in Destiny Two. We've been playing a lot of that lately, yeah. and um, he's like, "Why don't you just just scrap that one? Just 
get rid of it. And I'm like, but I might need it and I'm going to sort it into the different things and then I have to get rid of the one that's the least le- lowest level. And he's like, you'll never use that. It's blue. You'll never use it. It's not It's not a good one. Just scrap it. You won't need it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty great. <laughs> I definitely, in games, I don't like the loot. I've said that in the show before, but mm-hmm. games where that has it and I deal with it, like I do tend to, I keep the best one in a category and the second best one just in case. Yeah. What case? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do that too, though. Oh, yeah. It makes no sense. It's like there's um, a Rooster Teeth video that's pretty funny. That's like, what if real life was like a game? Mm-hmm. And one of them was uh, this one person comes up to the other and is like, oh man, like I have like a really bad headache. Do you have, you know, anything that you can give me? And they just dump out a huge bag full of like pills and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I got, you know, here's here's this one. And he's like, why do you have all these? I might need it for the boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> There's definitely there's always a moment in those games where I'm, you know, I'm like two thirds of the way through and I finally just go, you know what? I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I start not picking up things. I start I just don't look at the stats. It just because loot games tend to make you powerful, mm-hmm. uh, partly because it's impossible to balance a game if you have to be good at that management in order to actually beat the game yeah. because people are not interested necessarily all the time. Mm-hmm. And so there's like an inherent flaw in that design, I think. But I definitely always reach a point where like I've been optimizing this for, you know, 10 hours. I've got, you know, five hours left to go. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Yeah. And then I feel like I wasted so much of the early part of my time. And I don't yeah. know, but, but Martha, you stay with it because it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Mm-hmm. And then, and I was thinking about it just as you were talking. And yeah, it, when you find something that, like a like a gun or a piece of equipment that you really like, um, like it does feel really good. Yeah. Like 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 I have a bow in Destiny Two right now that I really like, mm-hmm. and I made it all pretty colors. Oh yeah, and the other thing okay. about loot stuff is usually you can like you can kind of like in some games you can customize how things look. And stuff, which is kind of like basically, I just am a fashion designer in the like, <laughs> in my games. So I like picking up new things because it's like, ooh, will this hat look cool? Oh man, it does! Awesome. <laughs> now I'm gonna make it orange. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um. I know that uh, Marky wanted to bring up Control. Yeah. So I, a- I played Control recently. I just wanted to complain a little bit about it because it's a it's a it's Metroidvania <laughs> kind of game. Well, I mean, randomization done wrong is also part of the topic. <laughs> but it's one of those games where um, you do you have uh, uh, like five different weapons, mm-hmm. and you can um, you purchase them, you know, with the your your the little uh, currency of power ups that you get through sure. the game. Yeah, and then. Um, you, uh, those can have mods, right? And you can have their mod slots, and then you, this is all very standard. Yeah. And um, you have an inventory. You only have to like hold like twenty odd, twenty four of them or something, and you find them in loot boxes throughout the 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 thing. But like, it's not a procedurally generated game. These boxes are in specific places. They're all in little hidden cubbies. Yeah. So they're all little prizes, right? And like a Metroidvania, you know, a little, little corner. Mm-hmm. But they're all random. Every time you pick one up, and it's so frustrating. Yeah, like, and and this is definitely a game like I was describing, where at a certain point I was just like, I don't care anymore. Like, mm-hmm. it's so annoying to like spend all my time in the menus, like looking at the stats. Like, this one gives me fifteen percent uh, faster reload time. This one gives me seventeen percent faster reload time. Yeah. Okay, well I'll delete the fifteen percent one. Okay, great. Yeah, I've just spent thirty seconds on nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And and like, there's the the game has different categories, and this is true of. This, this is almost standardized now, like the colors. Mm-hmm. I played Assassin's Creed and I was like, why are all the good things purple? Why purple? But it's like, because purple is a standard color 
Yeah. Or like, or, and that, really like, good. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> well, I, I mean, purple as a as, has been a special color for a long time in general in I real suppose. in meat space. But how does it normally go? It's it's blue for the most common items, right? Green, white, green, blue. Yeah, it's normally a white. Yeah, I like white green. I blue. feel like there's it was a game or two that determined that, but like it doesn't feel that intuitive to me. It doesn't feel wrong. Yeah, it's just weird that like in Assassin's Creed, it's weird because the color palette of that series is so well art directed, and suddenly there's these big bright loot category colors sure. that I, I I would recognize if I played other anyway mm-hmm. um, but uh, control has a little bit of that yeah um, and it has these categories and like the difference between a category is just it crosses a threshold so like one is 22% and one is 23% oh. and that makes them two different categories oh. and I don't know uh, so like so I just started saying okay I don't care as much anymore I'll just delete all the ones and twos yeah because they're like Roman numerals in this game sure okay. and I'll just keep the threes and fours okay now that I'm starting to pick up some fives I'll just keep the fours and fives yeah but like even that isn't the best thing and then mm. some things are like you get this percent more energy but this one gives you this percent faster reload of your energy yeah. and refresh and i'm like what is the difference mm. like what which is better it's like one is a it gives me like a huge amount more energy but it's a class two mod yeah and the other one's a class three mod yeah. and it gives me a faster refresh but it, the number's kind of low and i'm like trying to do the napkin math in my head and the whole, i'm just hating myself the whole time <laughs> and it's not the game for it and like it, it's the randomization of it if if they were all like if, if they were all carefully placed, then that management would be more fun for me because it'd be like, oh, I want to find the level three one. Yeah. But instead, it's like I want to roll the die to see if I get a level three one. Yeah. It just doesn't feel as fun. I don't feel like and when I get a really good one, mm-hmm. it does not feel good at all. Yeah. Like I just I, I'm just like, well, I could have gotten that before. So and why is it special that I got it now? Yeah. I yeah. I mean, like in, in those instances where like the randomization is making it uh it's making it like I think like it's making it like you know, almost um what's the word? There's too there's too many choices, there's too many things, there's too many things to pay attention to. The choice to. paralysis. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, choice paralysis. Um I uh, that's a general they, concern, but I think people mm. there are a lot of people who don't care about that. Oh no, I know, but like in, in those instances when I approach those kinds of things, I just pick one like thing and just stick I guess they do this in everything, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, when I don't know what to do, I just pick one thing and I just decide this is what I'm doing. And yeah. it's that's it. So then I don't have to pay attention to anything else. Then I just have one choice or yeah. like what choice between. And ultimately, these things. games do tend to in order to, for these systems to be sustainable, they de- do need to overpower you a little bit yeah. so that every choice you make is is rev- kind of good. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of just pick one. And even if you're throwing away great opportunities to min max your stats, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Right. But um, that like that part of it is the part of the problem, though, right? I think and that so. it doesn't matter. And so I, I'm, I'm sort of interested in because uh, control is a game that I found that that system made no sense in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also didn't like it in Assassin's Creed. But there are people who loved it in Assassin's Creed, thought it was perfect for that series. Huh. So I think a lot of it is just my view on that in general. Sure. But I, I felt like a, there was a special problem with it in Control. Okay. And I, but I wonder if, like, if it's just I had a special problem with it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I haven't heard anybody. I haven't heard that much about Control, but I guess I haven't heard anybody else bring that issue up. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Not sure. I mean, Martha, like, it's a system you like. Would you, there Are there games you like that don't have it that you could feel it could, you could bolt it on? It would, it would just add that fun? Or, like, because I think it's probably a reasonable position to say, I like that mechanic, I'd like it in every game I play. Mm-hmm. Like, Martha's in deep thought over there. Yes. <laughs> Trying to think of a game that, would, that has loot that isn't random? Is that what you're asking? Well, just a game where that doesn't use loot at all. That it's just, it's a game oh. that just has power-ups and weapons or something like Doom or something like that. Like, you know, um, would it would every game be better with a loot system? No, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Like, could you ever find yourself hating it, uh, I- even though you liked it when working similarly in a different game? 
Yes. Yeah. Um, like if you don't have enough spots to put place put things, please. Right. I super hate that. Like when No Man's Sky first came out, it oh, was yeah. like, oh my effing god. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was almost a swear. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh that yeah. Basically, if I don't have enough space, that's why Wilmot's warehouse drives me absolutely up the wall. Yeah. Because there's not enough space to put things. But anyway, that that bugs me. Okay. Um, when you have to, when you have to choose because there's an arbitrary limit, right? And not which because like, you're deciding. Yeah. Which is always a designed <laughs> mechanic. It's always done on purpose, and then no player likes it. Yes. Because they want to feel powerful. They want they want the they want the bag of holding. Yeah. They don't want to like juggle. Even though that's supposed to be like part of the strategy is like only or like oh this way they won't just collect everything. No, they will just collect everything. Human nature. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so nice that in Destiny 2, they've um, like, totally expanded the, the vault where you can store extra stuff. Yeah. And that's so nice because like I throw everything in there mm-hmm. just to go on missions with all my friends. And then when I'm alone and want to do all my inventory management, I can go in there and do that. There's less pressure uh, to have to do that while I'm like queuing up with people to go play something because yeah. they're like... No, your box is full. Blah blah blah. <laughs> that was one of the reasons why the um, the uh, I don't know if it's how random it is exactly, but it's certainly you don't know what you're going to get when you open a chest in yeah. Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah. Um, uh, but all your swords broke eventually. Yeah. So well, it didn't really. It, it really tempered the the frustration I would feel with having to juggle things. Yeah. Because you need new stuff anyway. And it's weird how many people how people hated the 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 weapon like yeah. endurance. But I suspect that those same people who had like passioned. You know, like, oh, it was so frustrating and I hated it all the time. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of those people would hate it worse if it was just a normal loot system. Yeah, and you just um, kept the thing. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately it's like the, the best of two bad choices. But I, I was, I appreciated that it very quickly got uh, got me out of those rhythms yeah. that I hate in other I, games. I love that aspect of it. And maybe mm-hmm. one day we can have a whole topic on like that specific thing. Because yeah. I love that like they had that and they, their weapons yeah. would degrade over time. Because it made you have to adapt. I love adapting. Also, Adapting what was is. nice about that system is that <laughs> yeah. if you had like two like uh, giant flaming broadswords, uh-huh. you kept them both. Yeah. Right? Which is something you don't do in other games where you collect random loot. There's actually a mechanical reason for you to keep a spare. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool, like, you know, in, in ways that other games don't do Right. That. Yeah. Yeah. I totally like that aspect of mm-hmm. it. Uh, another thing, another randomization, famously random, is trading card games. Uh, yeah. You know, like Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, so, like, these ones these ones are interesting because, like, a lot of the gameplay um, is about manipulating the randomization. Each turn, you draw a new card, right? But a lot of cards, a lot of uh, these card games will have things where, like, you can draw more cards uh, if you play this card or something like that. So, you mm-hmm. can keep drawing cards and you can keep determining or you can determine how many choices you have uh, and what choices you have at any given point. Um, and so there's a lot of, and like Magic the Gathering in particular is interesting in that like um, there's a lot of, uh, when you start a game, like if you start like a draft or something, there's a lot of the deck um, uh, building part of it where like you get to determine how, how likely it is you'll pick up a land or whatever mm-hmm. um, and have those resources to use during the game. Uh, so. Uh, that yeah, like trading card games have a lot of like that kind of um, randomization manipulation, and so like it's like an aspect of the like you you don't know of it in terms of like percentage chance, but like there's an aspect of it in that like you have to you want to manipulate it so that it'll work in your favor mm-hmm. as best as you can. Um, there's also loot boxes. We had a topic on loot boxes before, and yeah. you know gambling and things like that. 
Um, right, we I mean, mean like things you pay for. I mean, like, all, you, you, where you pull a lever and that's yeah, that's like literally camp. casinos. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So like that, that is randomization in the jungle. In the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, you know that is an aspect of it, and that I guess is can be an example of it where like it can be um, predatory in that like you know you, yeah you um, ultimately very different from everything else we've talked about in this topic. It's true. It feels so separate in terms yeah. of its use of randomization. Both as like a tool and as a mechanic. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's why we have a whole separate topic about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then is what I, I didn't put this one on here. Fisher random chat. Yeah. I just added this in at the beginning. You were talking about like the benefits of randomization, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I think we've even talked about the show. Like, I'm more skeptical of it, especially as a mechanic. Yeah. Um, but um, the Fisher random chess is uh, chess where you randomize the pieces on on the board, oh. but you randomize it equally for both players. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, chess grandmasters who, like, do nothing but play chess all day, yeah. they spend like, half their lives memorizing, like, 30 move openings. Right. And, the, the like, chess is not a solved game in mm. terms of, you know, uh, uh, the mathematically solved. Sure. But the first 10, 15 moves kind of are. Yeah, okay. Like, you always know what to do. if some, And so it's incredibly boring for mm. high-level chess players. Mm-hmm. And so one of the solutions for it, and uh, Bobby Fischer, famous uh, chess player, mm-hmm. came up with this idea, well, let's just, like, just rely on skill rather than the memorization or knowledge. Yeah. And you just randomize the back row yeah. um, uh, for both players. And it was kind of, like, genius because mm-hmm. it is, and, and, like, perfect information games or equally balanced games are really conducive to randomization in that sense because they remain balanced all the time. Right, yeah. Right? And so that's a really good example. So it, it, I thought I just brought that up as a, uh, wrote that down as an example that that works with that, yeah. um, that sort of a, a adaptation. Yeah, uh, well, and that's, that's I, like I was saying, I think I've been saying it this whole thing, like what I really love about randomization is that like you have to adapt to what situation comes up. Yeah. And I think that like, I mean, some players don't like that aspect of games. Like they don't want to have to adapt to a thing. They want to memorize a thing and you just, yeah. You get good at the one thing that they like, and that's fine. Yeah. But like I what I really like about it is like, yeah, when you come into something, you don't know what will happen. And so like you have to there's there's a lot of like you have to change how you approach each situation differently. And so it makes games feel more varied and more yeah. unique each time you play them because And because I think a, a key to that is making sure your randomization is about is situational and not about difficulty. Yeah. And I think that's a pro- thing that people run into. Like the difference between like three Goombas and fifteen Goombas. Mm-hmm. That's that's a random result, but that's different than three Goombas versus three Koopa shells, right? Right, and and you know w- there you approach them differently rather than one is just harder than the other or easier than the other. Mm-hmm. And I think too many games and game designs tend to not fully appreciate that, or yeah. or really the truth is it's very hard to do right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's hard to appreciate. Yeah, it's hard to appreciate how much because like there, there's a difference in that. Like three Goombas are, are threats and can hurt you, and but they walk really slowly. Whereas three Koopa shells are generally good things unless like you mess up where you throw them. Right. Um, right. You only have to jump on one to kill all of them. Yeah. But they're all, but they're a little bit more risky because then they can come back and hit you or, you know. Right. So, and so it's, it's di- roughly an equal scenario. Yeah. But it's difficult to determine how in, in certain situations it's, it is more difficult or less difficult depending on what, like where you place these shells. Yeah. yeah um, and true. stuff like that. So there's like so many different things that you have to determine. And like if all of those aspects are random, you can make a very frustrating, uh, the game, I guess, can make a very frustrating Mario level or very boring Mario level yeah. if you have not tooled it. So I, I, a lot of times with these kinds of things, uh, the game developer will manipulate the randomization so that it will work in, oftentimes work in the favor of the player. Right. You, uh, you, you have exclusion cases mm-hmm. where like if, it, if the random result generates these two numbers, 
that I know r- deliver a bad experience yeah. roll again. Yeah. A lot of that, I think many, many games have that behind the scenes that players never see. Yep. Um, and that's definitely a technique you're going to want to use if you, yeah. if you do randomization in your game. Yeah, I know that there are... Like, Especially if you're making a roguelike. Like, you need mm-hmm. to make sure that there's some control over it. Yeah, I know there are plenty of instances where, like, yeah, if, like, you roll... If uh, you use the same attack multiple times and there's a chance for it to crit or something and, like, you've done it, like, 10 or 20 times and nothing happens, um, some games will make it so that on the 21st game, if you haven't done it, you will get a crit. It's, like, guaranteed. Right. Um, Basically, um, um, uh, bringing the uh, the average or the um, the result closer to the, like, the uh, number, expected, expected the average. Percent, yeah. It's a total can. cheat. <laughs> I mean, it is, but, like, half of games are cheats. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> that's not a problem at all. Um, yeah, um, like in, in Vengeance, for example, we have, you know, all of the bosses and stuff, they have random chances to do certain attacks. And I, uh, oftentimes, out of laziness, will just <laughs> make it so that uh, what attack that a, um, a boss does is random whenever mm-hmm. I make a boss. Um, and it has results in not fun gameplay a lot of the time. <laughs> so then I'll have to manipulate it so that, like, you can only do this attack three times if you do it, if you do it four times and you have to do another attack or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so like, yeah, there's a lot of ways to manipulate the numbers. Ultimately, what you're describing is creating AI. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Right, because it's multiple random results taking all together, it becomes behavior. Mm-hmm. Right? Totally, yes, yes. Yeah, so like, um, uh, and maybe maybe we can go over like how to manipulate randomization in another yeah. topic, but I don't know. Uh, so if you're like anti-randomization like I am, mm-hmm. you still need to recognize that sometimes you have to use it. Yeah. Oh, is this a, you know, in cases where you're trying to think things that are not random, but feel emergent, or, right? You know, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just don't want people to just throw randomization away just because they've heard people don't like randomization. It has very, it has uses. Yeah. Um. So just you know, keep it, keep it in your toolbox. All right, that's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app. And be sure to give it a good review if you liked it. Or nice like us. We need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends too. We also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter at Nice Games Club, where Dale posts cool Nice Games Club news, and uh, email us at contact at nicegames.club. And remember, send Dale your trailers so that she can force them on Steven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please do. Not over two minutes. <laughs> also, new this week, send Martha your encouragement. <laughs> and lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice host as well. Get all the links and show notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.